0: I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. What's going on, everybody? Happy Wednesday. You're listening to the Celtics Pod. I'm joined
1: by Mr. Brandon Nunez. Brandon, what's poppin'? Not too much, man. Uh, Brand new whip just hopped in, just kind of chillin', you know? Uh, You got options. I do, man. Yeah. Uh, You passed that lot at Stockton. Yeah, you know, I really wish that somebody rhymed better. You know, Pritchard, uh, I got to come up with a rhyme for this i was wrong he's good i'm sorry there's brendan. no rhyme there's no rhyme i was wrong and i gotta figure yeah. out how Just to make, make a... that and i gotta figure out how to make it a song
0: um, oh if it, for everybody listening brendan has uh, had oh a burgeoning rap career he was a soundcloud questionable
1: rapper. questionable yeah
0: yeah All right. i remember finding the entire catalog of brendan's rap music oh about, yeah what was it about a year ago dude probably and I every time know. i spoke to you for like a week i just started quoting some of your songs do you it, remember
1: yeah yeah this was oh. probably like when i made them was probably four years ago at this point which is wild to think about but anyways you know it feels like four <laughs> years ago when toronto was a good basketball team because holy that was a good segue yeah i know, you know that was- we, we've done this for a while for like four years you know has it been that long? No, no. It's probably been like two and a half, two. This is the third season, so three. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, you were just a, a young
0: want to be whippersnapper. Basket. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Segwaying back.
1: <laughs> yeah, Toronto. Uh, they're not good no more. Man, yeah. This the C. Ockham thing is is interesting. Uh, it, it seems to be. I don't know. I can't quite put my finger on it. We kind of talked about it before we press record that, you know, maybe Scal has a point of signing this big deal and kind of just looking for maybe he's forcing a little bit more offense because Siakam was always a guy that really was able to put up his numbers within the flow of everything. Right. And I had a theory that maybe they weren't getting out in transition as often. And that's where I feel like Siakam really thrives. But, um, when I looked the other day they they had the third highest transition, um, percentage or rate of attempts that came in transition so yeah I don't know mate. like there's no beautiful outlet passes coming from Mark Gasol I guess um, but yeah no it, it's been rough for Toronto and you know they apparently have this trend that we definitely saw in this Boston game where I believe they went five of six from three right out the gate like five minutes into the game right and then could not hit a three for the rest of the game
0: yeah so the thing That I kind of had going in my brain during the playoffs was that Siakam was struggling because Boston has got guys that kind of match up with him really well defensively. Like Jalen Brown's got that length so and strength, so Siakam can't post him up, which is where I always feel like Siakam's a threat. And then obviously Jason Tatum, the same. He's got length, he's got strength, and he's able to deny some of Siakam's outlet passes out of the post. So I felt like that maybe that's where he struggled, but. Honestly, I just think that there's something there that's not right because whoever was matched up with him last night for Boston, and this is a Boston podcast, but what we're saying is we are really, really, really shocked at how bad Siakam is at the moment. And we'll get to the Celtics because there was a lot of good Celtic stuff.
1: Yeah. And, and a lot of the game does have to do with like Toronto just wasn't quite the team that I think we expected them to be yet. Yet. It's yeah, still I mean, take nothing
0: away from Boston. There was a couple of players that had been having questionable starts to the season I'm looking directly at you Grant Williams that had a very good game against Toronto and to me whether or not that's because there was a poor quality opposition I mean I don't buy into that because as far as I'm concerned Toronto are still better than Detroit I'm fair enough yeah and they're probably what evens with Indiana if not better on paper yeah so you know Boston played their best game of the season against one of the better teams they've seen to start the year. Regardless with of no what Marcus time, Smart. With no Marcus Smart, no Jeff Teague, no Javante Green. There was a couple of guys out. Yeah, Kemba, was, Romeo, obviously. Yeah, well, you kind of just expect them to be out at this yeah. point now. Like That's a given for a couple more Tr- weeks at Fremont least. Raymond Waters started the game, by the way. And he played well, dude. He did. I was shocked. I was expecting it to be Pritchard to start the game. But I understand that by bringing Pritchard off the bench, you've got somebody that the coaches already seem to trust. The playing staff seem to have a little bit of trust in him as well. And it's instant energy off the bench. You bring him and Rob Williams both off the bench and the energy levels go through the roof. So it made sense to keep him as the first guard off the bench.
1: Yeah, I kind of take it as a seniority thing. You know, I think that the sophomore just gets the start over the uh, over the rook.
0: I don't know because the sophomore's a two way guy. Yeah. Yeah, Does, fair. Two-way guy get the start over the guaranteed deal. Is that is I, I didn't look at it yeah, like that maybe simply not. because of that?
1: That's interesting. I guess another aspect of it, like I, I, I feel pretty good saying Tremont's the better defender and a lot of Toronto's offense is gonna come from F- Lowry and Van Vliet, you know?
0: I don't feel very good about saying Tremont's the better defender. No? No, I feel like Tremont's probably He's probably better with, like, I feel like he's he's more pesky, so he's going to garner steals more than what Pritchard does. But Pritchard plays way more intense, and I think he reads the passing lanes better as well.
1: That's interesting. That's interesting. I, I guess, like, as you describe it, they do play pretty similar defense because they all obviously have issues with their size and, and strength. Um, but, yeah, um, I, I mean – Pritchard did play great in his minutes here, for sure. Uh, 23... oh, can, you, can you please repeat that? Uh, oh, yeah. I'm going to keep repeating it every episode, it seems like, because, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Yeah, yeah, I realize. I'm going to keep uh repeating it every single episode, it seems like, because Pritchard is going crazy right now. 23 points, 8 assists. Um, three turnovers not great but when it comes to eight assists and you're a rookie playing 32 minutes like I'm really not going to complain about that he's been really efficient eight of 13 hit half of his four three-pointers five of five from the free throw line like I mean he's he, he's playing really good he actually was an offensive spark plug in this game um, and we're kind of getting used to that being the case did you see the statistic that I tweeted at uh,
0: eight hours ago I did not. So Pritchard assisted on 38. No, sorry, 34.8% of made shots while he was on the floor against I did see this. Which is
1: crazy. 34.8%. Yeah. That is
0: ridiculous,
1: dude. Which is very good of Pritchard, don't get me wrong, but also there are not very many other people that are good at handling the ball in the slightest.
0: I mean, if we're looking for negatives to say, then that could be one of them. You're
1: right. No, no, I'm not looking for negatives. I mean, it sounds like you are. No, no, no. I'm more so like, I guess, praising Boston for, I think, putting Pritchard in situations that really highlights his strengths.
0: Yeah, and that's the coach's job, right? I mean, everybody, I, I do want to say this. After that game against Toronto, I want no more noise about Brad Stevens not playing the rookies. Or playing young players, because against which Toronto, we were
1: saying, we an were saying, so did not get released. Oh, you're right, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> we,
0: so, Whoops. yeah, I mean, it's out of the bag now. But you know, Na- Naismith, Naismith got minutes. Um, Grant Williams got yeah. They were rough minutes. Naismith was still
1: really bad at first.
0: Still minutes. He blew um first rotation that he had to defend He completely and utterly really blew it. Yeah, he yeah. did have some. Instantly no gets in
1: the game and blows a pick and roll coverage.
0: He did have one possession that I've used in an article I'm dropping on Wednesday, so probably just before or just after this podcast drops, where he rotates over to help. Uh, I think it's Rob Williams and. The rotation you expect, but it's the timing he put on that rotation. It kind of showed once he understands where he needs to be, he's actually going to be okay. You know what I mean? Like it was a, it was an IQ play. Uh, very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Brendan? Very natural. It was very instinctive. There we go. It was an mm-hmm. instinct play. To me, that, that says a lot. If a guy doesn't know where he's meant to be on the floor and instinctually finds himself rotating to the right spot, then I'm comfortable with giving him some time to develop. I just really don't want it to turn into a James Young scenario.
1: Yeah, and that, um, you know, I, I actually don't remember exactly which play you're talking about, but you know that like instinctual being in the right spot for defense is definitely the outlier for now. But flashes are what's important, especially when you're talking about a young rookie. Um, but th- I'm guessing, did that come in his second stretch of play? I cannot remember. Because the first stretch I think lasted like three minutes. And, and he it, was, was, he, it was, it was, it was so bad, dude. Like honestly, yeah. he came in and he blew the pick and roll coverage, right. Which he, he got stuck in no man's land and then ended up going back to Boucher, who was the role man and, and just fouled him late. At least it wasn't an and one, but like, he just was in, in, in again, in no man's land where you're not guarding anyone. Um, And then on the other end, he, he had this, this pump fake that, he did to, to stop the guy closing out, but then he stepped into a long mid range that was uh, not, yeah, it was, it was a miss. And then uh, he had a end of shot clock uh, catch and shoot three that I think there was about, yeah, two, three seconds left in the shot clock, but he, he bricked the heck out of that shot. Um, And I, and it's very early for him. You know, I'm sure that he still has nerves. I mean, you can see the games moving fast for him. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a blur, it looks like the guy is literally like trying his hardest just to keep his head above water, yeah, I'm definitely not saying that he can't be good at some point in his career, but he's not right now,
0: and that's okay. I mean it's not because it's a you know it's a late lottery rank pick, and you've had last year's late lottery pick has been injured for the majority of time so far, so it seems like we are waiting on two late lottery guys to it. To see them, to see them start to develop. Uh, I know you can't really put much stock in Neesmith or Romeo because Romeo got drafted injured, never had a chance to have a preseason, won't have a preseason this year, even though there wasn't really a preseason this year. And Neesmith again, because there's been no time spent with coaches for development, it's going to be it's going to be hard for these guys to uh, really show any signs of development outside of just learning on the job, and that's a really tough ask for a young rookie. It's different for Pritchard. He's a little bit older, a little bit more polished. um, Seems fearless.
1: Right, definitely. Um, Yeah, a good bit older. You know, it's a little off topic, but I think, I mean, it does pertain to the team, obviously. Like, I I was talking with some people that admittedly don't watch as much Boston basketball as we do, but, like, people are very out on Romeo. Um, And I'm curious, like, what your, I guess, belief in him is at this point. What, me personally, do you think I overvalue him? No, 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 no. I, Excuse me, geez. I really like Romeo. I think that he's shown a lot of potential as a defender and a slasher. Um, and, you know, if there is something to this whole, the shooting issues, a lot of it has to do with his, with his hand and his wrist, Then, then like he really can be good. Like we saw him get playoff minutes, legit playoff minutes, you know? Yeah, um, I
0: think there's... Go ahead, Sorry, I thought you No, were... yeah,
1: I was just pretty much saying, like, I, I do believe in him, but I'm just kind of curious where you stand.
0: Yeah, I'm super high on Romeo. I feel like he's going to be one of these guys that once he figures it out, it's going to be a quite a quick rise from mediocrity to a very good starter. I'm not going to go as far as, say, All-Star because that seems a bit outlandish at this moment in time. But I think once he figures it out, he's going to be... A very good on ball defender with flashes of off-ball defense. Definitely going to be a slasher. I can I can imagine some really nifty plays around the rim. And if he can figure out how to put how to score off the pull-up as well, that he's going to be a really tough guy to guard because he's quick, he's quite tall, quite long, quite strong. He's going to be a two-way guy for sure. And I don't know whether that means he's going to be the two-way wing off the bench or if he's going to be a two-guard to add that extra versatility. The questions I've got come more around ball handling. Is he going to be able to facilitate for others? Is he going to be able to create his own shot? Those yep. are the questions that, are, to me, go from being a good starter to a perennial or borderline all-star. Is If you can be, if he's a great slasher and a great on-ball defender, but he can't create anything for others or for himself, then he's got a ceiling cap. If he can create for everybody else, then, dude, I, the sky's the limit. I'm high on Romeo. Very, very high.
1: Yeah, I like him. Um, I, I was kind of surprised to hear people say that they felt like that was a bad pick. I mean, like you look at the guys. I, I don't exactly know who, how many guys I would feel comfortable saying I, I would have preferred at 14. Like later in that draft, and I are you, like you're fine with this conversation, right? Do you feel like we need to talk more about the game? Or I'm sure no, we'll get no, back no. to it. But...
0: Everybody's going to hear about the game. Everybody's talking okay. about the game.
1: So after Romeo, Romeo was picked 14th, right, in 2019. He was Sacramento owned pick originally. Um, and then, like, I, the, about that. I mean, I, I would like Romeo in Sacramento. Sacramento needs young talent, but whatever. I'm glad he's in Boston. Um, after him, there's Seku Dumboya, who is an upside swing, um, whatever. Nikhil Alexander Walker at 17. Like, I, I could see a world where he's better than Romeo. Uh, Matisse Thybul at 20 that one I don't feel great about um, and then yeah, Brandon Clark Grant Williams Darius Baisley um, if you get later there's Kevin Porter Jr. who wasn't picked because of um, you know off-court uh, issues or more so um, questions with his character is, is what it seemed Martin twins Eric Pascal is way later um, if you really want to get later 44 Bulbul 46 Taylor Horton Tucker but like I I Romeo could be the best out of all those names I just said. Totally still could be, you know?
0: Yeah, the only ones I don't feel comfortable with, and I feel like Romeo's upside is higher than everyone you've just mentioned, just to kind of put that out there. Out of all of them, if you told me one of them was going to be an all-star six years from now, I'm choosing Romeo. Um, but I, what I would say is the two that I don't feel comfortable about, like for terms of immediate production value, not long-term production value, are uh, Brandon Clark and Matisse Feibel. Right. Those two gave immediate production. Okay, I understand Brandon Clark's now been learning how to shoot like Markel Fultz. So, you know, that's not a good sign at all, but he still gave that immediate production immediate production value. If Boston had Fible last year, do they right. go deeper in the playoffs? I probably don't think so, but it is that spacing that they needed.
1: Yeah, and you'd be so versatile defensively again this year, you know what I mean? Um, and, and yeah, um, but... No, I, I'm with you. Like I, I don't I don't mind the Romeo pick at all. I, I think it was a fine selection. Um and then yeah, if you look at this year's draft, you know, and it's very early into the year to be calling these types of things, obviously. Um, but you know, there's a lot of guys that have played a whole lot better than Ne It's very, very early, very early. But you know, partially I'm saying this because I was lower on Neesmith in the first place. Like
0: you were very low on Peyton Pritchard and look how that time I though. was,
1: you're right. Um, but, you know, I could be right half the time, maybe. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, who who knows? It, it hurts to see Matisse Thibel technically picked by Boston and Desmond Bain also technically picked by Boston and neither one of them play a game for the Celtics. You know what I mean? Those are both also my type of guys, admittedly.
0: Yeah, especially when both of them are producing right off the bat and the Celtics are screaming out for production off the bench. And it, it is frustrating, but again... I've, ne- I've never been on the bandwagon that this year is a contention year for me. I've always seen it as this year as a developmental year, yeah. possibly next year too. I'm a, I've am made peace with that. Personally, I don't expect the Celtics to be, and I know I should expect them to always challenge for a championship, but I personally expect this year and next year just to be about getting that young core
1: to the level they need to be, to be long-term contenders. And to be clear, because I know what you mean, but just for the sake of the listeners, um, when you say, I, I forget your exact wording, this is a developmental year. I mean, that's still second round of playoffs, Eastern Conference Finals. You're just saying they don't have enough right now to be championship team.
0: Yeah, I mean, they could make it all the way to the finals with a, a good run. They're, def- they're one of the more versatile offensive teams in the East. They're one of the more versatile defensive teams in the East. What I'm saying is, is if they won, won a championship yeah. this year, it would be against the grain it it, i don't see that because they're dominant at this moment in time i see a world where they're dominant in two or three years and that dominance will last a five six year span but at this very moment in time i don't think they'd dominate a playoff series especially when they've just split two playoffs mini series two mini series against indiana and detroit and both of them were struggles so if you're struggling against indiana and detroit on back to backs how are you going to do against teams like that in the second round of the playoffs I understand right. that's far time away, so please don't think I'm expecting what we see now to be what we see then. Um
1: no right, but no, that's why these these NeSmith and Romeo picks when they're guys that aren't contributing right away, aren't like it's it's too early to overreact to those selections, you know, as I'm kind of overreacting to them. But
0: yeah, I mean I'm not overreacting to it. I understand and i I'm very much on this develop your talent for a long championship window, a wide, wide window where you can possibly go for two or three rings in like a six-year period rather than flip everything to win one championship and be done, you know? Because I'd, I'd just, I'd, I've never understood that mentality. I understood why Toronto did it because they're not a championship type of team. They don't consistently win rings. And I understand the Celtics haven't consistently won in the last, what is it now, 12 years, 13 years. But you're at a point now where you're on the precipice of being able to compete consistently for championship honours. You just have to be that little bit more patient with the development of some guys. I might be wrong. Some other people might feel like it's best to make that trade. But I'm very happy. I mean, Robert Williams, his growth this year, what we've seen so far, uh he's showing flashes of being a ridiculously good starting level center
1: yeah yeah um he he has uh I'll yeah especially on offense it's still this whole thing i i need to pull the clip because there's a clip that's very representative i think not from the most recent toronto game but the the second of the two detroit uh games where I felt like he put together a great defensive possession for like 20 seconds. And then when the last four. Pass. Yeah. Um, oh yes, there was that. There was the horrible outlet pass, but there was one where he played good defense, what it felt like for like 20 seconds, and then the last four he just got a little lazy and ended up conceding a layup that was probably on him. And I think that's super representative of Robert Williams. It's like there's all these good flashes, but it just didn't quite, you know, do enough. To make it really everything matter, if that makes sense. Yeah,
0: but where I'm at from it is like, right? We're working past biting on every pump fake. He's staying grounded now. He's getting he's getting big. He's not jumping on every fake. He's staying in front of guys. He's making sure if they do get past him, he's on their hip. He's not behind them trying to contest in the rear view. And what that's doing is it's allowing him to rebound more as well because he's on guys' hips because he's in front of them. He's boxing out more. And he's just more of an all-around presence on the glass defensively. And offensively, he's using his body a lot better than what he has done previously. So while he's not where he needs to be defensively, if he keeps getting minutes and keeps taking ownership of any mistakes that he makes, by playoff time, he should be reasonably ready to contribute on playoff basketball to a winning team. And then next year, that's when I'm expecting him to step into a starting role.
1: Yeah, it's the offense specifically that's really impressed me this year. Um, you're right; we've seen progress on in, in regards to not jumping at, at pump fakes and things like that. But obviously, still happens a little bit. And, you know, that would probably always be a little bit of a thing for him. But just toning it down um, is definitely important, and we've seen that. And yeah, I think that he he does a lot on the offensive end of the floor. He had 15 rebounds. I did not realize stay, that. Let me tell he's you,
0: staying on man's hip, he's getting in front of them. He's Six boxing of them that. offensive. Yeah, dude. Because he's doing it on both ends. When he rolls, if a, if um, a pass doesn't come in, he he boxes out straight away. He's he's using his physical tools better now, and that's one of them things that rookies don't do. Rookies just want to be in the right place to at least not kill a play. You know what I mean? They don't want to be right. the guy that cuts soft, so no, you don't drag the defense or rolls too quick, and now there's no outlet pass. The rookies, I, this is how I perceive a rookie. I'd, obviously, I haven't been one, so I don't know. But in my eyes, it's always been you do what you need to do and make sure you're in the exact spot you're meant to be at that time and everything else will slow down and come later. And for a big man, what comes later is how to use your body, how to, how to stop people getting round you for rebounds, how to, how to start top-locking guys. I know you don't really want your big being the top-locker, but Rob Williams has got enough athleticism to go from a top-lock to a
1: rear-view block in like 2.4 seconds. And I think actually he's really good at like when he's in a drop coverage, getting his hands or a lot of times you see his feet as well in that in that pocket passing lane that doesn't allow this little. I uh, uh, hate to be repetitive. Pocket pass to the rolling big man from the guard. That's, pocket that's passing coming at it. him.
0: The pocket passing lane to stop the pocket pass.
1: Exactly. Pay the pick pick of peppers. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I see what you did there. I see what Time did. Lord just living in the hot pocket. <laughs> I'm the hot pocket right now but he he's been really he's been really good at offensive rebounding and i think he's always been a little underrated at, at getting some steals and there are definitely definitely moments where he's going for a steal that uh the that the defensive anchor probably shouldn't be risking um but i i think that the, that he'll figure out the right times to do that
0: yeah, he got burnt on a play against Toronto going for a steal. He kind of like like dig, we call it a dig where you take one step in to kind of make the defense pick up the ball or pass the ball. And he kind of digged, dug into the passing lane. But the on-ball player, the guy on-ball sold, like faked the pass and then just blew by him. And Rob Williams had committed so much to that passing lane that there was no way on earth he was going to recover his footwork and get back on track to contest that shot and it was an easy layup. So there are going to be mistakes. Look, we spoke about this before. He's played less minutes, less games than Grant Williams, but he's been That's in crazy. the league. Yeah, he's been in the league longer. So you've got to expect this. But for if you look at look at it this way, for the minutes and the games he's played and the development we've seen, imagine what he'll be like when he's got a very consistent run of games under him. Imagine that level of development we're going to see. The player he's going to be at the end of this year, compared to how he was when he started health permitting
1: yeah yeah there's definitely a lot of potential there and you know i think what was interesting in this one that for the first time and correct me if i'm wrong with that i think that the celtics started the second half without this too big lineup and they ended up throwing shemi out there who shemi has been i i mean I think just the fact that he is a real threat from the perimeter and he can attack a closeout kind of, um, it's got a Euro step now. Uh, once. I mean, it's, twice. Not, it's not a great euro It step wasn't either. a reverse layup. <laughs> um, but I think that that was a big reason. And I, I don't trust that Shemi is going to, uh, be this, you know, uh, three-point shooter that he's been this year um I I mean I just don't like that's not going to happen you know what I mean he's he's 34% on his career he's hit over the last two games though he's hit six of 11 and that's pretty promising um if there is real improvement in this three-point shot um I'm very interested in what Shemi can bring since, like we've said, he just doesn't kind of do much wrong on defense. I don't think he's great on that end, but he doesn't really make too many mistakes, um, which does have value to it. But I I think the whole point I'm getting at here is that, like, I just wanted to get away from the two bigs. And I think that that happening allowed Tatum to get to the line 13 times. Before
0: we talk about the fact that he, he was 13 for 13, right? Yeah. So before we hit on that, I want a quick answer from you. If Shemi averages first between thirty nine and forty one percent from the corner three, do you keep him after this season? Um, hmm. he's a he's a proto prototypical three and D guy. Then he's exactly what you want in a prototype three and D.
1: So you know, apparently he shot uh, cleaning the glass, has him at forty four percent from the corner last year on yeah. only fifty two attempts. So. I don't, I don't, I I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that you would look for some either a veteran in his place that you could sign at the minimum that I think would be more impactful for him, or if he's a
0: veteran. Hmm. How how many years in the league until you're a veteran? What are you putting it as? Well,
1: yeah. I mean, I'm not thinking of like a specific age or anything, but someone that you know what they're going to contribute, which I. I don't feel like you do with Shemi. You know what I mean? On the offensive end of the floor. That's completely fair. Completely fair. And I think the reason that you would stick with Shemi, if you were to stick with Shemi over a vet that you know what you're getting, would you believe in his upside? And in my mind, you can probably get somebody in the next second round that will have more upside than Shemi. Wow. I mean, like... Yeah. Like, I mean, you can take upside swings in the second round, you know, like Shemi was yeah, picked it's 37. A it's a deep draft this year too. Yeah. So I don't know. Like I, I, I as far as I'm concerned, Shemi's probably gone this year. Um But
0: <laughs> we've been saying that for two years now.
1: It's true. It's true. But, you know, I think this is the last of the typical rookie deal um going four years. And yeah, unless there is real improvement in this three point shot, um, which I, I guess there has been so far, but it's really, excuse me, not on that many attempts, um, less than twenty, I believe. So yeah, if if there is real improvement in this three point shot, then then maybe there's something there. But I mean, yeah, he'd have to become a, a pretty good three point shooter for me.
0: Which brings, and I'm agreeing with you uh, personally. I feel like there's value in what he brings, and if he becomes consistent at a higher clip, you know, higher attempts. Uh, per game over the season i'm okay with that but again we've been saying shemi needs to improve this and semi needs to improve that and we think he's gone for a couple of years there's definitely a role for him on a team somewhere else where maybe he can get additional usage get additional minutes and really make a name for himself but i don't know whether he wants to stay in boston and be like the fourth fifth guy off the bench unless somebody else has been struggling aka grant williams
1: yeah, so I, I, that, I don't. Sorry. Yeah, I don't know what team honestly is going to be that interested in Shemi.
0: There'll be one. There'll definitely yeah. be one. It'll be Sacramento or something like that. Oh, God. Just one of these teams that, you know, just needs anyone.
1: Yeah, that needs some depth at the, the three. I guess he's a three.
0: I mean, if he shoots 40%, then you just know he's going to Atlanta with every other wing that shoots above 40%. I guess so. Which leads us back talking about shooting very good percentages, leads us back to Jason Tatum. Thirteen from thirteen from the line. You got his numbers in front of you, Brenda.
1: I do. Eleven of nineteen from the field. Five of eight from three. Forty points on the night, um, along with only, shy. only two assists um, and six rebounds, and also two blocks. Only one turnover. But again, only two assists. Like this was this was in his bag, just getting buckets in people's face. Jason Tatum.
0: This was, you can throw whatever type of defense you want at me, and I'm not going to let it phase me, and I'm going to punish you very badly for having the audacity to even try.
1: This was why people say Tatum is, maybe not is, but can be a top 10 player.
0: Yeah, this was a top 10 player type of performance, right? This was, you're throwing blitzes at him, you're trying man-to-man on just jt and then a little bit well box like a, it wasn't a box and one but it had bucks and one vibes to it the way they were defending him mm-hmm. um so they were throwing like very innovative types of defense at jt and he, it took him out the game for a little while but it was like he took it personally it was like he was like if you want to try and deem me this tight then i'm going to find a way to cook you and when i do i'm going to keep going at you until you have to change how you're D me up and then i'm just going to take it to pieces again this was a top 10 performance from me a top 10 player performance definitely yeah, an all-star performance
1: only 32 minutes you know like that that's a good bit but like if, if he 32. needed to stay out there he would have if this was a close game he would have played five more minutes at least Mike Gorman wanted him to get 50 so bad i actually at one point i think he had 25 at half and i was like yeah i actually think he's going to get 50 today and toronto just didn't keep up
0: I mean, it was funny though, right? Like when he was just like, Mike Gorman was just like, he needs to be, he needs to be one of these guys that just get. He needs fifty, and I could feel it as well. And like for me, like part of this felt like a statement from Tatum in the terms of like, Jalen Brown's been getting buckets these last few games. I'm here too, and I can go off just as much. And that's the scary thing, right? That imagine what happens when if both of these guys go off in a game together at the level that this version of Jalen Brown going off alongside this version of Jason Tatum. And they're both like, it's scary. And that's where you, that's why I'm like in another year or two, those two guys are just going to
1: decimate people. Yeah. It, it, it really was for sure. The like the difference in this one outside of just making tough shots, which we know Tatum's really good at, it was definitely getting downhill, you know, and I think pulling the opposing big out of the paint. um, And as much as we, we love Baines, and I grew a soft spot for, for Alex Len during his time in Sacramento. They are not quick on their feet. You know what I mean? Um, so Tatum definitely did a good job of pulling those guys out, or Boston did as a team, and then attacking them, getting downhill. Or if it's Chris Boucher, like that guy's not strong enough. Um, so he did a really good job of taking, taking advantage of the lack of interior defense or the weaknesses that Toronto's interior defense has.
0: Yeah, and again, it was very much like – he just spent time figuring them out. There was times where you'd see him defer, like when he passed over to Peyton Pritchard for that free, where it was like he just wanted to see how the defense was reacting to him getting the ball in his spots and then adjusting the way he attacked it. So he might defer one play so he can attack for the next two or three. He was very cerebral in the way he played that game. I felt like he played at his own pace. He picked his own spots. And he made sure that he was out thinking the defense as much as possible. And that's something that I haven't seen from Tatum in terms of thinking the game while playing. Do you know what I mean? Does that make yeah. sense? You can and, see and it's everything... against
1: a good defense. Like OG and Siakam are no joke. Those are good matchups for Tatum.
0: Yeah. And against one of the most defensively innovative coaches in the league, Nick Nurse, who I still don't like. But
1: I was waiting for that one.
0: Well, oh, he annoys me, dude. I knew it would happen at some point it's not a playoff game. Why do you look so angry all the time? And then he's jawing at the ref, he's working the refs. And I don't know if it's just because I've become so used to Brad Stevens being so like laid back. And you, like when Brad Stevens is angry, he'll just give you a sarcastic remark. And you know that cuts you to the core, right? Like if you say something to someone and they're just like, yeah, whatever. You're like, oh, that hurts. But if they're like, well, you know this. And yeah, 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 yeah. you're like, oh, be quiet, man. And you just tune them out, right? That's what I'd be like. No,
1: that's I'd like, do, just be quiet. Yeah, I think it's person to person, but yeah, no, I I'm with you. Yeah, and I mean, the other guy we definitely got to get to, that you kind of glossed over real quick, um Grant Williams, man. This was a this was an impressive offensive game from him, and I thought that the offense always was um showed improvements this year, but there were times where he just was I mean, we'd seen him over help before or just not even been in the right position defensively, looked a little slow on his feet. Um, and and he did really well in this one. There were definitely still tur- bad turnovers. I can think of an entry pass that was a really bad one that I think was towards the beginning of his first stint in the game. But like this felt like a little bit of a bounce back game for Grant. It did indeed. And I felt like his defense was much better than the way it has
0: been. He was rotating better. He wasn't getting lost. He wasn't losing his man. They weren't able to kind of scheme him out of the game, and then offensively, yeah, we saw that one. The one that sticks to my mind is that one little floater off the baseline where it was just like a tough make, right? And yep. he, he hit a couple of threes, if I'm not mistaken. He, am I mistaken? I yeah, three or, mistaken. three or four, three or four. So he played a really well-rounded game, and for me, this is what you want from Grant Williams. You don't want he—he's never going to be the guy to take over a game but you know he drew that charge on one of his first defensive possessions in the game he managed to stay on guy's hips he managed to you know he rotated really well closed out well didn't let anybody really blow by him on the closeouts so kept his body control really under, like kept his body really under control and then offensively he made his he he converted his looks this is what you want from grant williams a high iq player playing a high iq game you don't want him to like the box score up. You want him to perform in his role exceptionally well.
1: Yeah. And I think that, you know, he's the guy that, well, while Shemi got the start in the second half, I think Grant's the one that needs to grow into that starting role for me this year. I think that he can fit that four defensively and then adds a little bit of a different dynamic on the offensive end.
0: Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. And there's definitely a world where, you know, because of his post up game as well, there's definitely a world where he'll hit a free on you one one possession and then he'll be your post entry guy on the next possession. You'll fire a post-entry passing into him and he'll make something happen from the low block or the mid block or the high block or whatever yeah. block you want to be on.
1: Yeah, playmaking from the elbow at times this year. You know, like if you're running out him in Time Lord, you actually have an interesting offensive backcourt or front court.
0: As a bench unit at the moment, if Shemi's hitting as well and you've got Grant Williams, Rob Williams, Peyton Pritchard, maybe Jeff Teague, maybe, you know, you want a bit more size there when Romeo's back, there's a
1: a hell of a lot of versatility on this team once it's at full health. So, last thing I got for you to close here, is it 8 Mile or is it P-Rabbit? it's p rabbit dude. i agree i agree thank you because i don't know where all these people came from that are saying eight mile is a better nickname it's not it's not it's p rabbit
0: yeah eight miles a movie p yeah. rabbit is a yeah. play
1: on words and i love it yeah yeah fun fact i used to get called B rabbit all the time because you used to rap no that was not why just because i, can't, I was I can't say the one that's saying the movie i was the minority white guy at my high school so that's why i was B rabbit
0: Did you have blonde hair?
1: No, I mean I have bleached my hair before, but not at the time, no. No, you didn't, dude. I have. I want pictures. Let's just both do it.
0: No? Why not? I have a family. So what? Whoever's in the background
1: of you is going, dude. Yeah, they're they're really feeling it. Wait, so you have a stay at home order for like three months now. Your hair will be fine by the time you're out again. No, my wife. Will you do this with would you actually do this with me? I mean, if you talk Zoe so into it yourself, if you speak really, her, really, yeah, you, I'm so yeah. down. Oh, God. All right. It's, she's sleeping right now. So you need to speak to her tomorrow. But if you can talk her into it. Got it. By the way. So the one other aspect about P rabbit that, that's wild to me, he has the thickest eyebrows I think I've ever seen in my life. Those are caterpillars, dude. Yes, You're they are right. for real caterpillars on his eyes. They are crazy. I don't know. Like they almost look like I'm holding a sharpie for some reason as I'm talking here. I swear that they were drawn onto his face. Like they are, they are thick. I think it's all just one like block of hair rather than individual ones. It's crazy. It's real thick eyebrows.
0: If Yabu Saleh's butt was (laughs) a pair of eyebrows, would that be Peyton Pritchard's eyebrows? (laughs) We have digressed. Um, say this again. Say this again. (laughs) So if Yabu Saleh's butt was actually a pair of eyebrows. Would that be what's on paint in Pritchard's face?
1: I don't know if I want to picture that. <laughs> you're, yeah, your wife's like, No, you're not allowed to dye your hair, and you can never speak to him again. Well, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> <laughs> right, guys,
0: you've been listening to the Celtics
1: pod. Hopefully, you learned
0: something. If you didn't, at least you got to laugh. And if you didn't laugh, then I don't know why. If you didn't learn that Eight
1: Mile is the wrong nickname, then something's wrong with you.
0: Yeah, for sure. I'm completely down with that. Guys, you can catch us again on Friday where we will actually have statistics and numbers for you, maybe.
1: Maybe not. I mean, we, we had we, we numbers. Can't... We had numbers.
0: We did. Miami's I mean, we a
1: big did. game, by the way to get back to it real quick, like Toronto and Miami were the two big games and Miami's actually been playing well. Um, they have versatile defenders that should be good at slowing these two dynamic wings of JT and JB down. So I think it's a really good test for Boston.
0: Yeah. And I'm excited to see how to perform against again, another amazing coach. And I want revenge personally, you yeah, know, again, revenge, again, what do you mean? Again, it's again,
1: again, what did I say again, that's just how you say it. It's all good we used to have a we used to have a British word of the day, or, I'm so sorry, the reason I, I say british okay, so the reason
0: <laughs> I, sometimes I over enunciate
1: my words so I don't sound British. I do it personally. no, but you should I think it's great. I'm not making fun of you I just it just stands out to me, you know otherwise I'd say it again again, now say it again again, Tatum hits a three <laughs> again. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh dude you want a british version of that
1: yeah what do we got we had whippersnapper earlier is that even british yeah
0: that's british knee high to a grasshopper is a saying i don't know if you use that huh wait that's a huge grasshopper up to your knee knee high no you say like i've known you since you were knee high to a grasshopper interesting okay that makes sense that's basically i've known you since you were a kid yeah So it's what the old people say. It's not like you don't have like young English people saying that. Like we're not stuck in Downton Abbey. But, you know, that's like what my grandpa used to say. That's a bit like.
1: Yeah. like Tatum was. Yeah. We've had Tatum on the Celtics from what was the wording? I already lost it. So like
0: Kevin Garnett's been on. Kevin Garnett won a championship with the Celtics when you were knee high to a grasshopper.
1: Got it got it i have heard like young grasshopper isn't that a uh, karate kid thing uh i think it is i just started reading a bruce lee book by the way all right or did you okay okay all right <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh guys you've been listening to the celtics pod make sure to leave a nice five star rating and written review you can follow me at adam taylor mba you can follow brendan at brendan noonez mba and, and if, we'll if you don't have it, anything nice to say don't say it at all And if you only liked part of the episode, feel free to still hit that five-star rating. Don't give us a smaller star just because you didn't like the one episode. We try very hard.
1: Sometimes. Most of the time. Every time. Every time. There we go. I've tried hard since I was a grasshopper. Knee hard. (laughs) We'll get you there. We'll get you there. (laughs) There we go. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening to this episode and uh, yeah, you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days here.